Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, earthmatters.org.au, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio Melbourne on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri of the Kulin Nation and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Today's show is brought to you by Emma Crunch. And today we're travelling to the Galilee Basin in central Queensland, to the country of the Wangan and Jagalingu peoples, where Adani Mining is proposing to mine coal in what would be the Southern Hemisphere's biggest coal mine and produce 60 million tonnes of coal a year to be exported out of the Abbots Point in the Great Barrier Reef. This week, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has indicated he is considering giving a $1 billion loan to Adani to build the 388-kilometre railway from the mine to the export port on the reef. For the past couple of years, there has been an almighty struggle against this mammoth coal mine and its associated infrastructure, led by the traditional owners of the area and supported by environment NGOs, lawyers and millions of people around the world, including in Adani's home country, India. In this show, you will hear my interview with Marawa Johnson, a young spokesperson of the Wangan and Jagalingu Family Council, followed by a discussion with Kumar Sundaram, of the Coalition for Nuclear Disarmament in Delhi, India, about Adani's corrupt and irresponsible behaviour in its home country. First, though, let's hear an excerpt from Maxwell J. Smith speaking to the Melbourne rally outside the building in which Turnbull and Adani were meeting on Monday and the 5th of December 2016. Even though the Prime Minister acknowledges the biggest threat to the reef is global warming, even though he signed the Paris Agreement, even though he knows the majority of Australians want a healthy reef, not more polluting coal, Prime Minister Turnbull continues to support Adani's giant polluting coal mine. Adani has already received special treatment from the Queensland government to fast track this mine. And right now, billionaire polluter Kutam Adani is meeting with our Prime Minister in the building just behind us to push ahead with this mine. It looks like the PM is set to give Adani $1 billion of public money to fund a coal to fund his railway line uh, from the Galilee Basin to the Great Barrier Reef coast so that millions of tons of coal can be shipped and burnt overseas. This is even though, during the election, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull said, on camera, that there will be no funding for Adani's mine. It's a disgrace we're giving preferential treatment to big polluting companies with deep pockets. And our Prime Minister has a responsibility to cut pollution and to shift to clean energy, create new jobs and new opportunities in industries that support life, not destroy it. We need to hold our Prime Minister to account to his election promise. And we're here to let Mr. Adani know We'll never accept this mega polluting coal. Take the coal in the ground! So Adani has a mining license, but we the people will never give Adani a social license. We say, reef not coal! Reef not coal! That was Maxwell J. Smith speaking to the hundreds of people rallying outside the Melbourne meeting of PM Malcolm Turnbull and the head of Adani Mining, Gautam Adani. The proposed Carmichael mine has been fiercely resisted by the traditional owners of the country it proposes to dig up. I had the chance to talk with Marawa Johnson about their continuing fight. Hello, Watamuli. My name is Marawa Johnson and I'm a spokesperson for the Wangan and Jagalingu Traditional Owners uh, Family Council. 
and I come from Wangan and Jagalingu country in central Queensland. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us on Earth Matters, Marawa. And I was just wondering, could you start out by just describing for us um, your country and its boundaries and some of the characteristics? So the country is, uh, I don't know how to, how to say it. It's, it's, it's a bit dry but, and it's very hot, but also paradise. Yep. So the way that the country works, especially with our natural springs that feed up from the Great Artesian Basin, is it could look very dry and in some places bare, but you'll come across these amazing, beautiful lagoons and um, swamps and sort of like oases mm. um, where the springs, which is sacred water, um, feed up and provide life to that country. Mm. And the proposed Adani mine, the Carmichael mine, so what various, of course, a mine then has all sorts of associated infrastructure and the ports, and what do you think the different impacts of that mine would be? Uh, So this is the largest new proposed coal mine in the world Mm. uh, and would be the largest in the history of the Southern Hemisphere, so the largest coal mine by you know in Australia by Australian standards, but also in the southern hemisphere yeah. and forty kilometers by thirteen kilometers, there is absolutely nobody that can tell me that the natural springs just ten kilometers away from the proposed mine site won't be poisoned and affected mm. um, so you know they're going to clear clear the land um, and one of the totems out there. One of the distinct um, sort of, uh, I guess, the way that our society works mm. is uh, we have totems and we have groups of people within our society who are, you know, that is their totem and it's their responsibility to take care of that. Um, so the trees out there are one of those totems. Mm. Um, and so that means the complete annihilation of a whole totem and also the destruction of a group within our people, um, of their actual, you know, totemic relationship mm. with the country and all of the beautiful native life that is out there. Yeah, that is such violence and disrespect. Um, and as I understand, you've had a, a line of legal battles over protecting this country and stopping this development going ahead. Um, are you able to just give us a bit of an overview of where you're up to now and about the um, what looks like a really corrupt Adani process of trying to substitute uh, other native title holders? Yeah, if you could just clarify that for for us a bit. Yeah, great. So um, in terms of other native title groups, so along where the actual mine is proposed is completely on uh, Jagalingu, so the western side of Wangana Jagalingu um, country in the northwest. And Mm. then there's also a rail line that goes um, from WMJ country and where the proposed mine site is um, through Janga, through Biria Baraya and then also through Juru country 
and to where they want to have the coal port, um, you know, on Juru country, mm. um, the Abbott Point coal um, terminal and expand that. But I actually can't speak for the other country. That's just the sure. group that I know will be affected by this project. Yeah. Um, and so for the WNJ people, we've we've said no to, to this mine. Um, and what we've actually done is that we've established a family council outside and independent of native title because native title um, is actually, you know, it's a federal legislation and it's specifically designed and amended by Prime Minister Howard to facilitate mining and disenfranchise Aboriginal people, further dispossessing them and actually, you know, this is cultural gen- mm. genocide. Um so we 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 know how the Native Power Act works. It's a regime, and we've been living in it for twenty years. And if you're an Aboriginal person who wants to um, sort of be, join um, the economy, mm-hmm. um, you, the only way to do so at the moment is our people are pigeonholed to do so through um, Native Title and the destruction of our country through mining and project development. Um, so what um, our, our family council has done is said, um, we're going to take the leadership within the Native Title group and uh, recreate that outside of Native Title as well, uh, where we convene our people, we talk, we discuss, we information share, we make decisions and we mandate a campaign that's going to fight this mine outside of the legislation mm. um, designed to facilitate exactly that. Um, so we've come up against the Queensland state government. They're actually uh, a respondent to four out of our four cases, <laughs> um, two of which they didn't actually have to be, but decided to join and they've made their position completely clear. Um, that they are doing whatever they can to facilitate this mine um, because they're saying there's a promise of jobs and money when we know that Adani is also asking for a royalty-free period. Mm. Um, so there are, isn't going to be any money coming into the mm. state government. Um, and for Queenslanders, uh, through this mine, uh, while they have a royalty-free period, um, also we as a family council are, and, and as a people are challenging the narrative that has been imposed on our people uh, that mining and the surrender and participation in destruction of our country is the salvation out of poverty. Mm. So I'm 21 years old. Mm. I was born in 95. And the uh, Howard amendments to the Native Title Act uh, after the WIC decision came in in 96, 97. Mm-hmm. And so my whole life has been living in the native title regime as it stands today. And I don't know one Aboriginal community that has said yes to mining that, uh, where that money, um, and the sort of, um, internalized colonial power, um, dynamic that happens. Um, and is adopted into communities through the acceptance of mining um, hasn't completely destroyed those communities. Mm. I don't know any Aboriginal community that is economically, politically, and socially better off 
because of signing Iluas with a government or a mining company. And what they've done is try and yeah, illegitimize us and um, also push support behind people who are happy to take money from Adani um, and surrender their native title rights and interests. But our people said no, and that's the that's the decision that we're running with. The state government and Adani have worked you know very hard to try and invisibilize us. And at the moment, you know, all smokes and mirrors saying that they're on to their final approval and um, this is what they need to get financial closure. When we know that we have a long-term strategy that will still be running into maybe even the end of next year. Mm. And it's not just around legal cases, but also around rebuilding our community, getting back to country, you know, looking at our own internal community development and actually rebuilding culture in our people because that's what keeps us strong. And that's why there was a genocide and also the banning of our culture on missions where a lot of our people were moved to because it's no accident that those are the main things that have been uh, stripped away from us. Um, as for Adani and the state government trying to tell us who our spokespeople are and tell us what our decisions should be and our decision-making processes should be. Like, this is what um, violent paternalism looks like Mm. and we've decided not to accept it. You're listening to Earth Matters and hearing my discussion with Marawa Johnson, a spokesperson for the Wangan and Jagalingu Traditional Owners Family Council. They are leading the struggle against the proposed Carmichael mega coal mine in the Galilee Basin of central Queensland. We'll return to the interview and I've just asked Marawa about the solidarity and support they have received in the fight. For two years we've managed to, to be able to galvanise that through crowdfunding and, you know, this... We we are the campaign that's stopping the Carmichael mm-hmm. line, and although um, it took people a while to see that, um, you know we were little known people from the bush in central Queensland, um, and now we've been around the world to speak with banks like Goldman Sachs and Bank Bank of America and Standard Chartered, um, and to tell them you know you have obligations to us under the UN Convention around business and human rights. So you actually can't fund Adani while we have not consented. Mm. Um, but also, yeah, from a little-known people from the bush in central Queensland to, you know, stopping the largest new coal mine in the world, like, clearly we've had amazing support and um, I want to take the opportunity to thank all the people who have donated as well. But, you know, we always um, need need more. This is pushing on and we have plans to go to the High Court of Australia like that's a real thing that's going to happen and when that happens we also need people on the ground who are going to support us in making sure that whatever decision um, comes out of the High Court that we have people on the ground who can hold the government and politicians and policy makers accountable. Well and on that note for any listeners who want to back um your family council and groups and the struggle, um, where would you point them to to donate or just find out more about what's going on? Great. So you can always go to our Facebook page, mm-hmm. Wangan Jagalingu uh, Family Council. It's on uh, Facebook and they will have like all of our campaign updates, 
what we're doing. Um, there's a new piece up from Earth Justice, who are our international lawyers, who are doing some amazing work. They're also working with Standing Rock, um, and they work with Indigenous peoples and frontline communities all around the world. Yeah, so you can do that, or you can go to our our website, wanganjagalingu.com.au, so W-A-N-G-A-N-J-A-G-A-L-I-N-G-O-U.com.au. Um, and there you'll be able to see our latest media releases where we're at at the moment and also donate if you can. Um, and people will be able to see um, that uh, about a month ago we launched a flagship program that we're doing with the Global Change Institute at the University of Queensland. Mm. And so what this study will be looking at is so we're working with the university to do, uh, I guess, to, to look into what Aboriginal self-determination in a post-carbon economy looks like. Mm. Because Aboriginal people have been self-determinate in a, post, in a, in a pre-carbon economy. Um, and we have the greatest legacy of sustainability that this world has ever known on the face of the earth for 60 plus thousand years um, there were people able to live sustainably with the earth and now um, in the in, in working to break down that narrative about Aboriginal people needing to be a part of the mining industry and needing to be a part of the destruction of their country to have, you know, this salvation, romanticized salvation out of poverty when we know that it doesn't work. And what we're actually saying is our people need to be in charge of our futures and we also need to be in charge of our own industries and also our agency and looking at um, First Nations people who are leading also the move into renewable energy mm. um, and that's happening around the world indigenous peoples are doing that and um, we, we're looking into that too. That was Marawa Johnson sharing strong words on her people's work to protect country from the Adani mega coal mine and also to build real alternatives to the current economic development model. Next I spoke to Kumar Sundaram of the Coalition for Nuclear Disarmament and Peace in Delhi, India. He gives us details on Adani's corruption how the company's rise is interlinked with current Indian Prime Minister Nahendra Modi and its ongoing environmental and social abuses in India. I mean, from your perspective as an organiser, environmental and social justice organiser in India, what is your um, experience or work on Adani and how is the company perceived among... we read the interview yesterday and it was really shocking uh, that the Australian government has decided to give so much loan to Adani. Adani is an evil corporation in India. Adani has suddenly appeared on the scene and along with the rise of Mr. Modi, Adani has also risen several times and uh, it's a Gujarat-based industrial house. They have stakes in uh, power generation business, electricity, ports, steel, mining. So they have grown exponentially Mm. through very, very corrupt practices. In 2002, there were really bad Hindu-Muslim riots in Gujarat and Mm. this person was then the chief minister of that state and uh, there was widespread condemnation Uh, but his survival strategy was to uh, align with Gujarat based uh, industrialists. Sorry, so can I just ask Sundaram, when you say um, the person who was then the chief of... Yeah, Narendra Modi who is our prime minister now Mm. 
he was the chief minister of this state called Gujarat then. Sure. And uh, when he was facing condemnation, when he was facing isolation, uh, he resorted to uh, you know side with these uh, homegrown industrialists, give them really big uh, subsidies and tax holidays, and industrialize the state. He also made sure that all the workers' rights were uh, you know substantially uh, undermined. The environmental norms were diluted. So that is the kind of industrial model that uh, Narendra Modi adopted in Gujarat. And he now fashioned it as a success story that look, business is growing in my state. And a lot of under, other industrialists um, gradually lapped it up. So from a communal, religious bigot and a murderer, he turned himself into a development man, a man who would ensure industrial growth so the growth of this industrial group called Adani and the political rise of Modi has been interlinked. Mm. Uh, so he's very, very close to Adani. Uh, Adani funded his entire election. When Narendra Modi became prime minister in May 2014, he came to Delhi from Gujarat in a plane, in a chartered plane uh, given to him, of course, for free by Adani. Mm -hmm. So he landed in the airport uh, in this flight, which has Adani written over it. So that is the kind of politics which is happening. And mm -hmm. with that politics, Adani has grown exponentially. So he's very, very influential. He has stakes in mining, coal, steel, um, real estate, so many other big ticket industries. Uh, and uh, in several parts of India, his projects are being listed. So for example, in uh, Madhya Pradesh, there is a very, very strong movement against the coal mine and the thermal power project in a place called Mahan, uh, where Greenpeace uh, is also associated with the grassroots protests, and that is why they were also marked as problem makers and eventually anti-national. Mm. So the uh, bank account of the Greenpeace India has also been freezed by the government. Uh, similarly, in Kerala, Adani has a project. In Gujarat, in Maharashtra, in Andhra, they have a port. Uh, they, are, they, they are making entirely privatized ports uh, and they are taking away these thousands of acres of land. They are destroying the mangroves and the fragile ecology of the coastal region. Uh, they have totally undermined the coastal regulatory zone um, regulations. Uh, so this is the kind mm. of industrialization that Adani is pushing. And let me tell you, there are strong protests in India uh, against Adani um, on several sites. So in several parts of India, farmers, fisher folk, common people are rising against Adani. And Adani also must be resisted for his uh, sheer corrupt uh, practices um, you know, regarding funding of elections and influencing the whole politics in it. And uh, the Indian protesters do strongly stand in solidarity with people of Queensland. I mm. remember there was a petition launched by people in Queensland and we circulated it uh, widely in, in, in our circle. Mm. So if there is any way for us to stand in solidarity with the common people in Australia, the Aboriginal community, we'll definitely do so. Mm. Yeah, it's so valuable and interesting to hear about um your activities and various people's activities in India against Adani because, I mean, the message they're portraying in Australia, although as 
as activists, we're not we're not buying it, but they're making out that you know they will follow all the environmental procedures. And there's a port development at Abbotts Point, which is proposed. Which, as you're talking about mm-hmm. the destruction of land in India, it, you know, it just shows up the kind of things that they're saying. And um, I mean, another one of the arguments that Adani puts forward, and the Australian government loves to promote is that this is essential for that this um, the energy from the imported coal will actually be going to the people yeah. of India and for you know poor rural communities and how would you respond to that as an argument that's being used to promote the development it's not at all promoting Indian development. Let me tell you that last week, uh, one of the biggest uh, nationalized banks of India, the State Bank of India, uh, Adani uh, was trying to uh, get huge amount of credit from this bank. And uh, now the Modi government has said that credit given to Adani is a secret and it cannot be revealed to the common public. So uh, these industrial credits, loans, uh, actually essentially by the hard-earned money of the common people uh, have become national secrets. Similarly, uh, the kind of the, the, the whole scale of destruction of livelihoods by Adani is uh, really shocking in several mm. parts of the country, especially in the central zone, uh, on the coastal zones of India, uh, is going to be really devastating. So it's not at all in any way supporting common people's life and their livelihoods in India. Mm. It's destroying environment, it's destroying communities, it's destroying farmers, fisher folk. Mm. And as you say, I think there's... Um... Um, today I spoke with a young traditional owner Aboriginal person from the country around the proposed mm-hmm. Carmichael mine, which is the one that Adani would run, and um, she certainly had a strong message about this huge mine, which is it's, it's going to be it would be the world's biggest coal mine in a kind of unthinkable area of an open pit mine, um, and so I think you know there there is really strong grounds for solidarity and people fighting for their country who actually live on the country and have connections to it. So it's really great to make the connection and um, I'm sure listeners here... Yes, I think it's very, very important that we should have uh, connections and solidarities between people's movements because it's the same forces which are destroying livelihoods and lives and environment here and there. Kumar Sundaram from Delhi, India, ending on a note of solidarity between people struggling against the Adani Corporation and four land in India and Australia, particularly the Wangan and Jagalingu people of the Galilee Basin in Queensland. Today's Earth Matters show comes in light of Guatam Adani's visit to Australia and Malcolm Turnbull's promise of $1 billion in federal funds to build a railway line for the mega coal mine. Thanks to Sundaram and to Marua Johnson, a spokesperson for the Wangan and Jagalingu people who need support in their fight for country, which is set to head to the High Court next year. Look up their website or Facebook to find out more. I'm Emma Crunch and this has been Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio on the land of the Wurundjeri people in Fitzroy, Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to the show on 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters or contact us on Facebook. Thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association for their ongoing financial support and tune in next time for more social justice and environmental news. Thank you. 
Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but Muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, worker stories and union news. Grassroots Voices broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What your name is, we got the hell. Lots of changes, we need more brothers.